T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. High in the air, deep right field. Abreu is out of here. I think he's one of the great players in... Major League history because of, you know, the RBI, the consistency that of being a clutch run producer. The home runs are, you know, you, you just point an example that I think the fact that he gets, he's not a home run or nothing guy. You know, he'll, he'll get a single or a double. Uh, but, yeah, I think he's on that list of uh, with, with the best run producers, home run RBI guys in, in the game's history. And he's still got a lot of baseball left. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel Sunday mornings on The Score. Welcome back in for one more hour of Hit and Run on 670 The Score. Cuban baseball players and really Cuban athletes used to be the stuff of myths for those of us of a certain age. And maybe it's for those older than us of a certain age and us. But like, I would hear about Omar Linares. Oh, dude, you got to check him out. You wouldn't believe. I don't know. I I don't know. And I would hear, and I would think of him in the same way that I used to hear about Teofilo Stevenson, who was supposedly the greatest heavyweight boxer that never got a chance to really fight the big guys. But every four years in the Olympics, would be like, oh, yeah, that guy's as good as Muhammad Ali, but he never had a shot. I, I think about those guys. I think about those kind of athletes and those kind of myths sometimes when I'm able to step back and sort of take stock on what we have seen from Cuban ball players, And right now... The guy I think about that with the most is Jose Abreu, who just last night reached 500 and then 501 in extra base hits as a member of the White Sox. And let's talk about Abreu with a man who wrote about him this week, the national writer over at Fangraphs, host of the Chin Music podcast. Pick it up, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Over at Fangraphs, he is Kevin Goldstein, who joins us right now on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. What's up, Kevin? How are you? I'm doing good, Speak. How are you, man? I'm good, man. So, Omar Linares, did you ever hear, you know, tales of him in the 80s and the 90s along the way? Oh, of course. There's, there's a long list of, of Cuban players and Cuban stars we, we never got to see come over here. And, um, you know, I wrote about this when I wrote about Abreu last week. Um, you know, I was with the Houston Astros at the time. Houston Astros made a really big run. Uh, trying to find Jose Abreu, and I ultimately went to the White Sox. But you know, a few years later, they signed Yuli Gurriel, who's of course still with them. But you know, we didn't see Yuli Gurriel in America until he was in his 30s. And when Yuli was coming up, he was getting comparisons to to, to Jeter and A Rod, and 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 
you know, even when I saw Yulievsky Guriel work out for the Houston Astros in a private workout when he walked on the field, it, it, I, I used the same word you just said. It was like seeing a myth. It was like seeing this this mythical figure suddenly in in the flesh, and then there he was. And, uh, you know, we we we've missed out on a lot of great players and a lot of great careers because of, of them simply being Cuban. Before we talk about Abreu now and the big league stats, which are available for everybody, I mean. He debuts at age 16 in the Cuban League and plays there through age 25. Um, Some years, as many as 89 games, uh, usually games in the 70s or so. And just for the shorthand, the RBI numbers are all in like the 60s, the 70s, the 90s. The OPS numbers are like 1.376. 1.583, just like outrageous numbers. What's the quality of ball in that league, Kevin? I, I mean, we're talking about the late 2000s and the early 2010s. Um, what's the quality of baseball at that time? I mean, there's two things to keep in mind. It's A, it's highly varied. So that's the first thing. So you can go watch a Cuban game and you will see players there who belong in the big leagues. And you'll see players there that you wouldn't want on your high A team. And so it's, it's a real mix of, of, of guys. But, you know, in addition, it's also – it is an offensive league. But it's smaller places, ball flies. And, and so, you know, you've got to take that into account. It's still, like you said, a 1,500-plus OPS. And, you know, he's basically the Barry Bonds of the league. And, uh, you know, but I think that another number that stood out to me you, when you look at his Cuban stats are the intentional walks. You know, this guy got, you know, like you saw, 70, 80 games, and he would draw 30, 40 intentional walks. And, you know, no one wanted to fix to the guy either. He was also, you know, the, the, the scouting community, the amateur and the international scouting community also got to see this guy because he was always, you know, playing first base in the three-hole in the Cuban national team. And, uh, you know, so you got to see him against, at times, some of the best college pitching in the country here. And, and he would, uh, you know, actually just tear through them. And it was kind of clear that this was, this was a special bat. The walk number, you're right, because like his career high in the bigs is 51 in walks. One year in the Cuban League, he walked 74 times in 393 plate appearances. And that's not because he had some magical eye. It's because they just didn't bother to throw to him uh, that much. Just, yeah, yeah just... maybe half of those were intentional and, and, and another half were unintentional. It's kind of, you know, think about like, you know, for Cubs fans, like prime Sammy Sosa when he walked 100 types a year. It wasn't because he suddenly had a good batting eye, believe me. It was because no one would throw him a pitch. Yeah, I mean, you wrote about it, but but take people there, for anyone who didn't get a chance to read it, to this this moment when you were finally going to get a chance to look at Abreu. You said you had an email from your boss that said, we'd like you to go to this, or I'd like you to go to this, and that, <laughs> and that was to go see Jose Abreu. Okay, I'll go to this, and then... What uh, paint the picture for for folks about that day? Yeah, those are the best emails to get. I like I'd like you to go to this, and, and this is you know Jose Abreu had been cleared to sign, if you will. You know Cubans have to go through a little bit extra, but Jose Abreu was now available as a free agent, and uh, like most Cuban players, uh, yeah, he was now going to have a private workout first, and it was at the Yankees facility in Boca Chica, the Dominican Republic, um, and. Everyone's welcome, and the bidding starts in about two weeks. And uh, you know, flew down there the day before because it started in the morning. Um, for these players to work out at the Yankees complex was quite common because there's a certain field at the Yankees complex where the ball just flies out. 
And um, you know, my favorite thing about the workout was just that beyond center field, uh, you know, at the stadium was a storage shed. And that storage shed had a corrugated metal roof. And, uh, you know, a brave clank came out. He worked out with about four or five different players also, you know, looking to sign. Also, so, you know, so you have a normal BP so we can, you know, have other kids hit and take a breather when he needs to. And, and he comes up and the first time takes a normal round. The second time he starts letting it fly. And it was real quiet. And he just kept hitting this roof. This roof was 400 feet away, dead center. And every time he'd hit a ball, it, it was a very loud bang of the bat, followed by silence as the ball flew, and then just a bang as the ball hit the metal roof uh, beyond the outfield. So it's, you know, a couple hundred, two, three hundred people watching this guy, and it's dead side. It's just crack, bang. And, and it was, I'll never forget the, just kind of the, the auditory aspect of this workout. And, you know, the only other thing I heard as I wrote was I was, you know, someone sitting next to me, and every time the ball would hit the roof and go bang, he would just giggle under his breath. Um, that was also Kenny Williams, by the way. Huh. And, uh, you know, and, and we went from there, and, and you know, a couple of weeks later, the, the bidding did start. And, um, you know, the, the, me and my group recommended uh, a, a pretty active pursuit of him, and, and the Astros did have an active pursuit, and ended up in the final. Just how you look at it, like three or four teams, the Astros were in there. Um, everyone knew the White Sox were in there. The Rockies were very heavy in there. Um, and ultimately, the, the, the White Sox got him. And, you know, as, as I remember it, it was, not be, it was not over money in terms of AAV. It, went, it was in terms of length of deal. The White Sox were the team that was willing to go to six years, and, that, and that's really what won the deal. Hmm. It's, uh, it, it's fascinating to, to think about. And then when I, uh, I, I, I try, to, try to combine – the, the, you can't really combine the numbers together and look at it in, in the way that you could with, you know, Ichiro numbers and look at his hit total is above that of Pete Rose if you combine his Japanese league and his MLB stuff. Or now that the Negro League totals have been, uh, you know, a, a, a admitted by MLB to be major and they're there on baseball reference for you to mix in if you like. It's not like you can do that. With Cuba, but should we be considering a guy like Abreu as 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 MLB Hall of Fame possibilities? The numbers will never get there, but it's not his fault he didn't get to the bigs until age twenty seven. Yeah, no, it's a really great point, and and you know I don't overly concern myself with the Hall of Fame or any sort of awards, but at the same time, you know I think it's good to to think about maybe what could have been, and I think it's important to note that. You know, so one of my readers point out in the comments that it's just the baseball hall of fame. It's not the major league baseball hall of fame. And um, I, I know basketball has adjusted and there are plenty of guys who had, you know, long careers in, in Europe and things like that, who are in the basketball hall of fame. And, um, you know, like I wrote, if, if Jose Abreu was from Miami and, and some, you know, was still Cuban, but maybe his family came over when he was a kid, he was from Miami. I don't think it'd be ridiculous to think he'd be in the big leagues at 21, 22. And, you know, instead of, being introduced this morning and talking about Jose Abreu's 500th extra base hit, he'd be sitting around 2,000 hits and, and, and approaching or over 400 home runs. And, you know, at his age, we'd be talking about his Hall of Fame chances. And so, you know, and I, I've always felt the same way about Yuli Gurriel, who if he was over here at 20, he, we'd be talking right now about, I mean, he'd be a lock for the Hall of Fame in my mind. And so, uh, you know, we have been kind of 
robbed of their prime or, or at least a, a good portion of their prime. And um, I don't think it's been necessarily fair for the Hall of Fame to rob them as well. And I think players should be, I think the Hall of Fame should be the Hall of Fame, you know, and, and Jose Abreu would be on a career path to get there. And, you know, we should all talk about Guriel, but also talk about Linares, like you said. We should talk about Sandaharo O. It should be the baseball Hall of Fame. Mm. Kevin Goldstein can be found uh, down in DeKalb, or excuse me, up in DeKalb, Illinois, uh, on most days. Kevin, have they made any progress in their efforts to find the cheese bandit, the the single American cheese slice (laughs) bandit of DeKalb, Illinois, who I thought was doing some of the most important crime of 2021 when he would place a single cheese slice on a vehicle overnight to be found the next morning? This was back in June. I've heard nothing since then. Uh, you know, police are real quiet. I'm sure they are, uh, as they did in the big Lugowski pursuing many leads. Um, <laughs> yeah, we have not heard from the cheese bandit here in DeKalb. It's, it's a little heartbreaking. Um, I thought he was really the, the hero of the city. Someone driving around and slapping slices of cheese on parked cars. Mm. Uh, we need excitement out here. I guess they got it last night in the football win, but, um, yeah, no, there's been no, there's been no updates from the cheese bandit. He's also laying low. He or okay. she or that. Uh, all right, well, uh, well, for, they're laying low right now. Okay. Well, I say cheese bandit. That's not appropriate because bandit implies thievery. I suppose cheese vandal is more accurate. And it seems to me you just let out a detail driving around. There's no indication that he was he or she was driving around. Is it? it are you the cheese vandal of DeKalb, Goldstein? <laughs> is that what's happened here? You know, I'll be honest. Like, if you would have known me uh, when I was, say, 17, uh, I maybe would have been a prime suspect for this, uh, but I can I can tell you with assuredness that I am I am not the cheese bandit of the cat. Oh man, see you know I, I don't know if I would have been that creative uh, to be the cheese vandal. I was like I was pool hopping, pool hopping. I think I stole a twelve pack of beer out of somebody's garage one time. I still feel bad about that, but like cheese vandalism was above my intellectual pay grade at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah one, one day off the air, I'll talk. I'll, I'll, Tell you about some final eighteen crimes. Okay, all right. That <laughs> sounds like a tease. Yeah, that sounds like a tease right there. Um, you had the return of weird baseball in your life uh, earlier in the week, didn't you? What What is our technical definition of weird baseball uh, that uh, allows for ice cream, sir? Uh, weird baseball. Yeah, I mean that was kind of amazing because you thought it would never come back with the current rule set and the ghost runners that's the end of the tenth inning. But uh, you know, weird baseball. Everyone gets ice cream. And it's, it, it all it takes is for the game to still be played when the clock strikes midnight and midnight locally at the time of the game. And, you know, obviously we don't have games go more than 10, 11, 12, super rare. And all of a sudden, yeah, like you said, in that, that it was a Dodgers-Padres game. And um, it was remarkable how many things went wrong. It just felt like we had a rundown between third base and home twice an inning. Uh, and literally nobody could score, and we got to 16, so we all got ice cream. It was just a wonderful time. And you never thought it would come back, really, and yet, and yet here it is. Yeah, not until you know, right, not until next year. And you know, uh, when asked during his his one of his rare press availabilities during the All Star break, someone did ask him about the Ghost Runner rule, and he he, he made indications, didn't say definitively, but made indications that it's going away next year. And, you know, if it does, hopefully we'll all get uh, a little bit more of an opportunity for weird baseball. Cause it's a fun time. I mean, it's, 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 those games are so much fun and we remember them so well. And um, I think people, when you talk about why people even like baseball as a sport, um, it's certainly why I like it. 
it's because it's a weird game. You know, it's, 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 you know, as you know, I don't, I can name maybe 10 NFL players, maybe. Yeah. Um, I don't really do any other sports and, uh, you know, baseball, football, hockey, soccer, all those sports are still the same thing. It's like, I have the ball and I'm trying to get it here and you have the ball and you're trying to get it there. And it's all basically the same, the same blueprint, a little bit modified. Baseball is such a strange game as it is just filled with abstractions. I don't know if you've ever, you know, been to a game with like a, you know, a friend from Europe where baseball is a part of the culture and they see it for the first time and trying to explain you some it to them, but it's hilarious because it's such a weird, weird game. And that's why I love it. And when you can, you know, ramp up the weirdness and dial it up to 11 with a game that, you know, goes six hours. I think that's even more fun. Uh, see, I, I, I understand. Look, I, I love the game. I love the weirdness too. I actually, I'm cool with that rule just because I really like, you know, I, I, I like the fact that I can see, Ooh, games and extras. I've got immediate action. I, I just know I immediately, cause I like to bounce around um, late night and, and give myself a little taste of it. Uh, with that in mind, have you noticed, I don't know if you're a user or not, but like the audio on MLB at bat app or however you get the audio, they've put a 30 second commercial at the beginning of every time you switch games now on the MLB at bat app, which is a freaking disaster of marketing. <laughs> a, another incredibly short sighted thing. The whole point is I might have three games at once and I can toggle back and forth between John Miller and Charlie Steiner and whoever the hell is still up doing a game in the Midwest. And now I have to wait for a 30 second ad every time. What a, what a disaster of marketing by MLB, but I suppose I shouldn't be surprised. It made me so sad. Everybody, you know the world we live in. Everybody needs to make the money and then needs to make a little bit of extra money. And I, I you know, every once in a while, I, I wanted to watch a video on YouTube and it was a baseball highlight. And that highlight took eight seconds. There was a ball pitched and a, a, you know, a ball hit hard and a great play by a shortstop. And it was an eight-second video, and to watch, I had to watch a thirty-second ad. Yeah, it just, it just, it just should not, should not be the case. All right, you wrote about the CBA for the first time. I know, I know that was really fun for you to dive into that. I'm not looking forward to that, but I mean, how messy is it going to be? I, I, I was talking with somebody. We were at a ball game the other night, and we were talking about what was it? I guess it was. I don't even remember if it was Universal DH. It was something even more minor than that. It was just some minor little rule, and I realized, well, that's going to be up for debate. Like every other item in the conceivable universe this offseason. Like, that's the problem. Like, everything is going to get brought up and have potentially equal value, at least at the beginning of the conversation. It's going to take so long just to get to common ground. I'm terrified of the offseason. Is there any reason I shouldn't be? Um, because you are a rational human? No, there's not. Um, you know, this CBA is going to be, you know, I, I think really ugly. I think it's going to, uh, I think chances are overwhelmingly strong as in 99% strong that the CBA will expire on December 1st, which is when it's set to expire. Um, and when that happens, the players will be locked out. And, um, you know, that's not an act of aggression by the owners. It's, it's just kind of a, a legal thing you have to go through. And so the players will be locked out, uh, but also the off season will be locked up, if you will. So, you know, while the, the CBA has expired, you can't make trades. You can't sign free agents. You can't have a normal winter in baseball. And so, you know, everything is going to just kind of be frozen in time. And so, you know, we'll have about three weeks after the World Series before the CBA expires. And, you know, once it does, it'll be time for lots of acrimony and lots of public statements between the union and the owners, which we, we will love to hear. And, um, 
you know, I don't think you'll have a lot of pressure on either side to, you know, really sit down and get serious until, you know, sometime in mid-January with, with spring training starting, usually around Valentine's Day at some point, maybe a month before they'll really sit down and try to bang this out. I do think that no matter what, no matter how you look at it, I think we will be looking at uh, a far different rule set in baseball, um, really in terms of transactions, in terms of things like service time and arbitration and free agency. And, you know, with all those things that get negotiated, the kind of stuff maybe some a lot of fans care about more, like the universal DH and the extra inning rule and, and maybe even the institution of a pitch clock and things like that will be the bargaining points that, that, that both sides use in order to get what they want on these kind of larger, strictly labor issues. Mm, I see. That's interesting. OK, so we'll start with the larger labor issues, of course, and the transaction stuff and like. Um, the, the calendar of the sport and the finances of the sport, it's due for a big change, um, it, 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 isn't it? Like, I mean, it's possible that we come out of this with a more stable um, economic and business model. Is that conceivable? Um, I don't know about the word stable. I think baseball is, is an incredibly stable and economic business model if you're an owner. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I, think the, I think it's time, you know, the players really um, – they screwed up last CBA. There's no other way to put it. They, they absolutely screwed up and they kind of focus on things like extra seats on bus trips and cooks on the road, as opposed to, you know, real issues with service time manipulation and, and, and things like that. I, I think, you know, what we need, and, and I think this would be good for the players. I think it would be great for the fans. Is I think we need a rule set that encourages teams to put their best product on the field. Um, and we just don't have that now, you know, and, and, you know, I don't, get upset at teams for quote unquote tanking now. And uh, as much as it's kind of a don't hate the player, hate the game thing, but you know, we need a rule set that forces or or incentivizes teams to put their best product on the field. Because right now you have a rule set that disincentivizes teams at times from putting their best product on the field. And, you know, it's, 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 there's not really a good, you know, analogy for the Cubs right now, just because they don't really have any, you know, super exciting top prospects ready to get a look. But, you know, we need a rule set that has Baltimore playing Adley Rushman, the best prospect in baseball in the big leagues right now, because he's ready and he's the best prospect in baseball. And the fact that he's still in the minors is because the rule set encourages Boston not to put him on the big league roster. And so, you know, we need to fix things like that more than anything else. And, you know, to, to, to you know keep it local, we all remember when Chris Bryant was ready and we didn't see him the first month of the season. That's a stupid rule if that's what's happening. And so, you know, we need to fix things like that more than anything else and, and make sure that, that every team's putting their best product on the field because, you know, right now that's not the case and teams are, you know, basically given very good reasons not to put their best product on the field. And so that's a bad rule set. Well, we'll have a long and laborious offseason um, to look at it. In the meantime, um, really interesting baseball stuff going on. I was watching the Red Sox and the Rays the other night, Kevin, and I saw Garrett Richards out there for, I think, three innings it was to finish off after um, Erod, Eduardo Rodriguez was the guy first. But, like, man, the number of good arms. Hell, the Cubs did this with Albert Alzali the other night in, in, in Minnesota where they had him throw three or four innings to finish up a start. That's what Richards is doing the number of, of like viable back end starters, which are now becoming like super useful multi inning reliever guys, uh, might we really be looking at, uh, at that potential paradigm shift? I don't know if we'll see it in the in the postseason, but in the regular season, the piggybacking seems to seems to be on the grow. 
I, I think what you're seeing right now is, is unique to 2021 in the sense that um, we had such a unique 2020. And as, as you know, injuries are way, way up this year. And I think teams are being careful, real careful uh, about their arms, especially down the stretch. If they think they're going to make the playoffs, um, you know, they're real worried about workload and things like that. And there are a lot of guys we've seen already, even on the DL, um, just with, oh, it's the forearm strain or, or, you know, the hamstring's a little tight. And if this is October, a normal year, they'd probably be pitching, but it's a perfect opportunity to just kind of give them a blow and, and let them skip a start and, and kind of keep that arm health. But managing workload's been a real challenge for, for, for teams this year, and, and unlike any other year. And so you're starting to see this kind of thing. Uh, at the same time, the way, you know, on more of a macro level, the way teams use pitching obviously continues to change and, uh, you know, we've, we've really reached the point where starters are kind of expected to go five, and, and you, anything that you get after that is gravy. And if it feels crazy to, to old guys like me and you who, you know, remember the days where that number was seven or eight, but, you know, that's where we are right now. And, and I do think we are going to start seeing teams find relievers who they can count on for maybe 100 innings. And, you know, 100 inning relievers used to be quite common in the 70s or 80s, and it feels like if we're using starters this way, maybe that is the best way to go. You know, you go look at, you know, guys that we remember as, as, as you know, Cy Young-level relievers, you know, the Goose Gossages and the Sparky Lyles and, and, and Bruce Suters and guys like that used to throw 100 innings. And I think finding, uh, you know, a reliever who can give you not three outs but six and, and is dependable, I think we're going to start seeing more of those down the road as well. Chin Music is the podcast you can find via Fangraphs. This week, the music is from Helen Money, which is the great Allison Chesley on uh on on cello um and uh you know the theme songs are cool on chin music it's just it's a problem once the guys start talking but whatever you know it's it's worthwhile to some i guess story of my life the problem is when i start talking (laughs) thank you kevin appreciate you man talk to you thanks thanks i'll talk to you soon all right it's kevin goldstein from fangraphs here on 670 the score it's um hit and run we got 35 minutes left. Cody Decker coming up with Down the Line before the Cubs game. That's from noon until 1245. But if you've been listening and you want to hop in on anything White Sox-related, Cubs-related, MLB-related, the time is now. Right now. 312-644-6767. Phone lines open for you, the Sox fans and the Cub fans, the rest of the way. Talk about La Russa, bullpen management, Frank Schwindel, um, so much more. Dylan Cease, the healthy stalwart of the rotation, the Jose Abreu Appreciation Society. Um, I have a Sal Perez nugget or nine I need to get to, and so much more. Dial it up, get involved. It's hit and run until noon on the score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. 
Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hit and run on Sports Radio 670, The Score, Chicago Sports Station. In the air to left. Vaughn is back at the track. It is up. And it kicks back in. Let's see what the call is. It is a home run for Salvador Perez. Three-run shot. It is nine to six. Three-run bomb from Salvador Perez. Did that a couple times. He does that a lot. The Royals catcher. It is me, Matt Spiegel, here with you on Hit and Run for a final 30 minutes or so. If you want to hop in and talk baseball, you're welcome to do so right now at 312-644-6767. Sal Perez is a catcher, full-time catcher, and now he has 40 home runs. That's the category. Full-time catchers who've hit 40 home runs in a season. I'm a man! I'm 40! That's right. Let's spring it on you, Sean Anderson, the phenom. Good baseball fan, but not an old baseball fan. You might not know, and that's okay. But if you do know, give me a catcher who hit 40 home runs in a season. Here's a bad thing. was I was going to spring this question on you. Uh, I'll I'll, I'll start it off easy. The last guy to do it, 2003, Javi Lopez. Javier Lopez. You were going to spring this on me? I was going to spring it on you because Zach and Pat actually asked each other this, I think, at some some point in a Cubs game. Uh, so, so I actually had this answer about like two weeks ago. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, Javier Lopez is correct with the Atlanta Braves. Javier Lopez, not the greatest defensive catcher. In fact, not a guy that Greg Maddox ever wanted to use, Javier Lopez, and they had to figure out how to still find it bats for him when Maddox was pitching. Um, Javi Lopez is correct. All right. That is the most recent one in 03 before Sal Perez got there yesterday. Who else you got? Uh, Todd Hunley, I think, would be the most recent after Lopez. Dude, that's the thing. Todd Hundley. And this is the son of Randy Hundley, who hit, I believe, 202 homers as a professional baseball player, who did have a couple seasons with the Cubs towards the end but who one year with the Mets had 41 homers and 112 RBIs with an OPS over 900. Wow! I forgot that his offensive numbers ever got that good. But they did. Dad. Dad Hundley. I used to do a terrible Randy Hundley impression. Maybe it wasn't terrible. I know, Pat. You know, know, I can't do it now, but I used to do it, me and Johnny Hood back in the day. And... um, he would always talk about Todd. But Todd with 41 and a buck 12. So, yes, Javi Lopez, Todd Hunley. There are only three others. Uh, two of them did it twice, I think. Roy Campanella and Johnny Bench. See, now that's the standard bear. Roy Campanella was the first catcher ever with that kind of power in terms of counting stats. There were other catchers who hit a lot of home runs, but nobody ever hit 40 until Roy Campanella. Campy. And his career cut short by a tragic accident. 
but a uh, Hall of Famer for sure and thought to be one of the greatest catchers of all time and offensively was a monster. He was alone as the premier power-hitting catcher for a long time, and then along came Johnny Bench, who I think did it a couple times, as you mentioned, and was a great defensive catcher. Uh, Johnny Bench, who has a very, very funny commercial going right now for Blue Emu that you only see if you're watching MLB Network because that's the only place I've ever seen Blue Emu advertised. But the guy walks up to Johnny Bench sitting at a bar and says, Johnny, is it true you used to be able to hold seven baseballs in your hand? And he says, I don't do that anymore. And slowly raises the right arm that had been out of sight until you see his arm holding seven cheeseburgers in one hand. And I laugh. Most times. So Campanella, Johnny Bench, Todd Hunley, Javi Lopez, and Mike Piazza gets in with over 80, with 83% of the vote. That is true. The Hall of Famer, Mike Piazza, who did that a couple times. And Sal Perez. That's it. That's the entirety of your list. Sal Perez is fourth all time on the Kansas City Royals list of home run hitters. Fourth ever. George Brett, Mike Sweeney. And it would have taken me a long time. I don't think I would have gotten there because I don't think of him as a home run hitter. But Amos Otis. I'll take Royals outfielders of the 70s and 80s for 500, Alex. Who is Willie Wilson? Um, who is Amos Otis? There he is. Crazy. And Amos Otis is third on the list. And now uh, Sal Perez is alone in fourth. But there they are, the Kansas City Royals, with one more matchup with the White Sox. And they will uh, snap a tie, a 9-9 nine and nine win-loss uh, tie with the White Sox when the Royals get, uh, get uh, a chance to play that game today. I was looking. See, this is beautiful. This is why Twitter is an amazing thing. I was looking at um, Twitter, and James Fegan of The Athletic tweeted out a little video of Craig Kimbrell throwing a football. The way that he said it with the video is Craig Kimbrell rolling out of the pocket, letting the deep ball loose. And there he is out in the outfield right now before the game in Kansas City with a football throwing a deep high ball. And I said, my God, what would Tom House say about this? Tom House, legendary teacher of pitchers. Um, got famous in this town when his protege, Mark Pryor, was all the rage for the Cubs. Tom House, also a former relief pitcher who uh, was in the bullpen when Hank Aaron hit number 715 and he caught that ball. He caught home run number 715. So I tweeted out, what would Tom House say about this when I saw the video of Craig Kimbrell? And then I said, no, seriously, what do you think of relief pitchers throwing deep footballs the day after appearances at Tom House? And because this is the world we live in, Tom House responded to me within four minutes. Is that awesome? Tom House says, footballs are great for arm strength, and you can't throw it without perfect mechanics. They're a great recovery tool, and that's why they are part of our throwing program. Ask a question, get an answer. Did you know that? Did you know that throwing footballs was part of um, a standardized recovery program for relief pitchers, Sean? Not for relief pitchers, but I know, like, you know, it- Two days after throwing for starters, they'll, they'll throw a football around. That's awesome. I wasn't sure how it was with relievers. Tom House with the immediate response. Ask a question, get an answer. What a world. Ron is on the south side and is now on 670 to score. Hello, Ron. Welcome in. How are you, sir? 
I'm good, Speed. Look, another great season of Hit and Run. Just want to let you know the great job you and Sean do every Sunday. And I just enjoy it. So um, about three quick points. Get back with, with the White Sox. And uh, I'm, I'm like you, Speed. I was really hoping that the White Sox could uh, um, get that, that uh, home field event. You can't ignore the fact that they just play so much better at home. But um, – you have to balance that out with making sure this team is going to be healthy. There's still a good chance they can do it. Uh, they play Oakland, and then they play Boston. But other than that, I, they have a pretty favorable uh, schedule. Regarding uh, uh, just the American League, um, the team that really kind of scares me is uh, the Yankees. They made a couple of nice moves. You got Garrett Cole back healthy. So, that's 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 the team that really concerns me. Lastly, love Brandon Crawford. I mean, for the Dodgers to have have, have caught him, but this, I, I mean, the, the Giants just love what the Giants are doing. I just don't think they probably have enough, and they had some pitching with the uh, problem with the pitching in the second half. But uh, love Brandon Crawford and the old Giants. So. That's it. And, um, again, just uh, enjoying talking to you as I have been doing for so many years. So, all right, Steve, talk Thanks. to you. Thank, you. Thank you, Ron. I appreciate you. Um, let me address the Yankees in there. The Yankees' bullpen has been an amazing story. Over the last 30 days, they have the best bullpen in the American League by far. Um, the only teams better than them are the Dodgers and the Giants in the National League. And then it's the Yankees. Huge blow for their bullpen today. Jonathan Loisaga, who uh, was a starter and then partially a closer and really has become a multiple-inning filthy weapon in that Yankee bullpen, um, had some rotator cuff discomfort, shut down for the next week is Jonathan Loisaga for the Yankees. So seven to ten days of being shut down. And if it's anything more than that, that's going to be a huge, huge blow. Them. I had to step out for a second, but I also don't know if you missed this. Larusa said he's hopeful Carlos Rodon can pitch against the Red Sox next week, but he's being skipped against the A's this week. Wow. So I had not seen that. Thank you. Um, boy, that's fascinating. So Luisa got the point I wanted to make on the Yankees. In terms of that Rodon news, I mean, this is a rotation where every starter is suspect right now except for Dylan Cease. It's Dylan Cease's world. He's the guy right now. Dylan Cease is among the American leaders in strikeouts per nine, second at 11.78. This in the White Sox game notes today. Um, K's overall, he's third. Opponent slugging percentage overall, he's fourth. Opponent batting average, he's fifth. Opponent OPS, OPS he's fifth. Over the last seven starts, Dylan Cease's ERA is 2.85. He's been very, very good. A breakthrough year, thanks to Dylan Cease and I'm sure Ethan Katz as well. And Cease was real good on Parkinson Spiegel earlier in the week. But other than Cease, you've got Dallas Keuchel, who's been an absolute disaster in terms of success. You've got Lance Lynn, who is right now on the injured list, taking a pause here. You've got Lucas Giolito, who's right now on the injured list, taking a pause here with a hamstring. And you've got Carlos Rodon, who is sore. Some fatigue and some soreness, says Tony La Russa. 
Hopefully he can pitch against Boston this weekend. The shoulder is sore. So his spot on the rotation is being skipped. This is one of many, many things that's going to take some active managing by the White Sox over the final month here. Everybody in the rotation is going to take some active managing. Um, the health of Yasmani Grandalo is a day off today. The health of Jose Abreu, who is the DH today. The workload of Andrew Vaughn, who has an off day today. All of those things, the egos of Craig Kimbrell, of Liam Hendricks, of Dallas Keuchel, all of those things need some managing over the last 30 days of the regular season or so. Tony La Russa has a lot on his plate. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. We will come back and give you one more segment of Rock'em Sock'em Hit and Run before we hand it off to Tony Decker and down the line, Cody Decker, I should say, and down the line at the top of the hour. It's Speaks and Hit and Run on 670 The Score. This is Hit and Run on Sports Radio 670 The Score, Chicago Sports Station. That's where our game, and I say our because I love it so much. I just got the green light from my wife um, to buy some Kramarchik sausages online. Hell yeah! Yeah, I know, right? That's super exciting. I'm at Kramarchik's.com, K-R-A-M-A-R-C-Z-U-K. It's it, just like it sounds, right? Kramarchik's. And um, I'm trying to click checkout, but I have to choose what date I'm going to pick it up. It's store pickup. I thought it was delivery. Apparently it's not delivery, so she's like... Where do you pick those up? And I was talking about this. I had one of these at uh, Target Field in Minneapolis this week. She's like, go ahead and get them. Where do you pick them up? I'm like, let's see, 215 East Hennepin Avenue in Minneapolis. So all I have to do, honey, we can buy them online. I just have to take a quick trip over to Minneapolis to buy them. He's on the team for next year. Yeah, right? Kramarczyk is on the team for next year. Oh, God. You know, you can't have everything you want in life, folks. Can't have Kramarczyk sausages at home, but that's okay. We have baseball in our lives instead. This afternoon, it'll be the Cubs against the Pirates right here at 120 for first pitch. Zach Davies against Will Crow. Also, the White Sox against the Royals later on as well. In the meantime, final few moments of hit and run. This is Bruce in Carol's stream. Bruce, you are on with me, Matt Spiegel. Good morning, soon to be good afternoon. How are you, Bruce? I'm doing well. How are you? Great. Hey, uh, I just wanted to uh, touch base with you in regards to pitching to players that you know are going to destroy you. <laughs> why, why, why do they constantly do it? Such as? On Kansas City, don't you? Sal Perez? He was a notorious White Sox killer. Yeah. Salvador Perez, notorious first ball, fastball, White Sox killer. Michael Kopech, where is your mind at? I think that he believes that his fastball is just that damn good. And if he spots it right, it's right there for you. It's funny because sometimes it is that simple, right? Because you see what Craig Kimbrell did when he faced Kopech after Perez homered on a fastball from Renato Lopez and homered on a fastball off Michael Kopech. And later in the postgame, Sal Perez would admit he was looking for fastballs off Craig Kimbrell. He got four out of five pitches where the spike curve 
I'm glad to finally say it right. It's taken too long. Jim Deshays has been clarifying it, and he's right, and I'm wrong. It's a spike curve. It's not a knuckle curve because it does not knuckle. It is held a little bit like a knuckler, but it spikes. It doesn't knuckle, so Deshays wants to call it a spike curve. Okay, fine. Whatever. Just because you pitched in the big leagues, I'm supposed to let you tell me. Okay, actually, yeah, that's a pretty good reason. So the spike curve from Kimbrell, he gave four of five of his pitches last night to Sal Perez were like that, and none of them were in the strike zone, and it worked just fine. So, yeah, no, I hear you. But the thing is, remember, as good as they are, they still only hit, you know, 40 home runs out of all those times at bat. He's probably not going to hit home run off a really well-placed fastball as long as it's got the correct movement. Uh, Kopex was not well-placed enough. Don't throw it in the zone like that. Chris is in Frankfurt on Hit and Run. Hello, Chris. How are you? Hi, Matt. Nice to talk to you. You too. So, so um, Kyle Schwarber, uh, oh. since he's been on the Red Sox, have you seen how he's oh. tearing it up over there? Oh, oh, I was watching a game I mentioned against the Rays the other night. Schwarber found something in Washington with the hitting coach, Kevin Long. Got hurt, got traded, and has resumed exactly where he left off in Washington. He is destroying the ball against righties and lefties. He's hitting for contact and crazy power. Yeah, they might rue the day that they non-tendered that dude. It's entirely possible. And, and lately he's been uh, doing it from the leadoff position. Remember what happened when Joe Madden tried to bat him leadoff? Yeah, I know, I know. But, you know, so, so, so whose fault is this? Whose fault is this when he's drafted by the organization? Thank you for the call, Chris. And the super scout, Stan Zielinski, says he's Babe F and Ruth up in the room. And they all say, okay, well, that's interesting. Okay, we'll take it. They draft him, and he's amazing in the minors. He comes to the bigs, and he's terrific in the bigs. He's great for a while in the bigs. He gets hurt. He comes back and has legendary moments in the postseason, once before he got hurt in the 2015 playoffs. And then, of course, in the 2016 World Series with that Paul Bunyan-esque kind of uh, legend. Um, and then he's bad. They put him at leadoff and he's bad. Falls apart. Has to go to the minors. Comes back. Has one great year with the 38 homers. But then fades back again. And you're like, I don't know if he's ever going to figure it out. I don't know if he's ever going to be quite as good as we thought he was going to be. And so they non-tender him. And he finally realizes in the midst of a one-year, $10 million deal that maybe he should make some adjustments. And he works with Kevin Long and he does it. Whose fault is that? I don't know that I can blame the Cubs for that. But, yeah, Kyle Schwarber's eventually got it all figured out as it stands right now. He's going to make a lot of money. Hey, um, speaking of the Cubs, wherever you get podcasts, be looking for something called The Run. It is a podcast I am hosting for Major League Baseball and for our company, Odyssey, along with Roy Wood Jr. of The Daily Show, a big-time Cubs fan. It's all about the 2016 playoff run. And it's also about the overall Cubs window before and after and where it stands right now as well. I'm super excited about it. Comes out the 27th of September. Be looking for podcasts called The Run regarding the Cubs. I'll talk about it again, but I might not be here with you on a Sunday again between now and the 27th. So I thought I'd mention it now. Thank you to my guests today, Ron Coomer, Sahadev Sharma, and Kevin Goldstein. Thank you to the great Sean Anderson for doing a wonderful job producing all year long. Cody Decker is next with Down the Line. Be on the lookout for another hit and run or two during the White Sox playoff run. Um, but we may not be together again on a Sunday morning. Let me say thank you for another wonderful season of baseball. 
And I'll be back um, soon and next year with you. And every day, Monday through Friday, on Parkins and Spiegel Afternoons on The Score. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks again. He's on the team for next year. Average miss in, on, in the MLB is like 17 inches. As far as if Craig's the closer. Um, we really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh.